Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. And turn to the book of Hebrews. Minister Micah, worship team, Brother Toby. Woo! Come on. <laughs> uh, let me bring your attention uh, to this, first of all, while you're going to Hebrews. This is called a compel card. I preached this morning. Each one, reach one. If you didn't catch that, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's on all the major media platforms, and uh, you can get a hold of that. Spotify. We're on Spotify. Anybody know what Spotify is? iTunes, podcasts, it's all over, so you can go and listen to that. I think YouTube takes a little bit to post it. Is that right, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Media? It'll be posted on Monday to YouTube, but it does broadcast live. We're live right now on Facebook. We're live right now on YouTube. We're live on 1610 AM in the parking lot for those of you that want to do social distancing. Amen. Compel card. I want to pass one of these out. Ushers, help me out. Hopefully we, we didn't whistle through them all. I think we have a few. And so if you, didn't, if you didn't get one of these, you'd like another one, I want you to take it, and I want you to believe God for Him to use you in these next months as we come to the close of 2020. Wow. 2020. I remember when I was a kid and thinking, man, imagine 2020. I wonder what that's going to be like. You know, to think about the Jetsons and stuff. We will grow by 500 people. How many? By 500 people. You say, how's that happen? It's already happening. We're on the way. I just got to get, get the math and get it to you, tell you how much we've grown since we made the declaration three weeks ago or so. But we're going to add fuel to the fire, and I want you to take this compel card, and I want you to write names down that you're believing for people to get saved and come to church. And you see, if you look at the, the first century church, you look at how Jesus did it, I mean, there were moments of like Acts 2 or 3,000 people got saved. There were moments where 5,000 people got saved. But Jesus, when he called his disciples, he did it one by one. And I, I preached a message entitled this morning, Each One, Reach One. So if everyone here reached one person and brought them in and they stayed between now and December, we would double the size of this number of people, which is about 300 people in the sanctuary, approximately. So the whole church is far larger than that. That's why we've opened a Friday night. That's why we've done some extra things. What are we going to do? Well, I'll put more chairs in. Come on, we're going we're gonna to reach this community, reach this state. We're going to compel them by the love of God to come in. Look at this scripture on it right here. Luke 14, 23. Then the master told his servant, go into the roads and country lanes of the highways and byways and compel them to come in that my house may be full. We are here to plunder hell and populate heaven. That is why we're here, to make disciples of all nations, to plant churches all over the world. Won't you fill one of these out? And let's just pray for a moment. I'm going to ask Pastor Vince, lead us in prayer. Lead us in prayer for these, these names. You hold them up before the Lord, and you pray right now. Pray right now for the names that are on your card that Jesus. God would intervene, that God would break the blinders off yes, the spiritual warfare. Yes, They're sir. blinded. They don't know that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. They don't know that there's oh. life and life abundant in Christ. So pray those blinders get broken off, Pastor yes, Vince. Pray that, that, that they have divine 
uh, divine engagements, divine opportunities yes. come across their path. People witness to them, pray they end yes. up in church. Come on, you ready? Come on, let's pray. Lift your voice and pray for your family. Pray for your card right now. Pray for the names that are on your card. Ready, set, go. We decree, God, that it is your will that no man perish, but all come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will need, you will use every seed that we plant, every smile, every touch, every prayer, God, for those who are on our list, Lord, to see that the blinders are broken off of their eyes, God, and that you give them a heart of flesh for their stony hearts, God. Hallelujah, Father. You will break them. You will call them. You will bring them into the kingdom, God, because we know, we trust, we believe that if you can save us, you can save anybody. Have your way in this place. Come on, Pastor. Hey. Come on, if he can save you, if he can save me, he can save anybody. Come on, somebody say yes. Thank you, Pastor Vince. Give a big Wilson amen and a clap to the, the Lord. Of the Lord. Come on. He shall be saved. Come on, clap and shout to God all across the place. <laughs> Hebrews. Thank you, Minister Micah. Chapter 4, let's all stand up on our feet tonight. As we do in honor of reading God's Word, New King James Version. Hebrews 4, go down to verse 14, familiar passage to many. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet, Without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Can I borrow that NIV, Pastor Kirsten? Where is that final verse? Thank you so much. Let us then approach. I want you to say approach. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Father, move in power. All those online, those in the parking lot, on all of the platforms, here in this sanctuary on Sunday night, and all those that will listen at a later date, let the effects of this service be far-reaching even to eternity. May we never be the same. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. I want to preach a message in your hearing called, I will help you. I will help you, says the Lord. That's what the Lord says to you, says to me tonight, I will help you. Everybody say, he's going to help me. He's going to help me. I don't know if you're aware of it, but um, the feast, uh, pardon me, the day of atonement, also called the fast, is one week from today. And the Day of Atonement was a, a, major, a major day for Jews where the high priest once a year would go in very particular way that he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat for his sins and the sins of the people. 
And that actual day in the Hebrew calendar is one week from today. It's 27th. And we've been in a season of teshuva, and I don't want to take too much time with that. One, because I don't know all that much about it, number one. Number two, uh, I've done that before, but it's see, 40 days before, uh, I think it started on the, uh, well, it started. It's a season, it, it, it lines up and corresponds with the Moses being on the mountain the second time for the 40 days to get the second set of Ten Commandments. Are you familiar with that passage? So it's a season of repentance, it's a season of seeking after the Lord. And Israel understood, unless they were apostate, where their help came from. Their, their help comes from God. The psalmist had it right, I'll read it to you. Psalm 121 I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let me ask you this. Where, honestly, truly, where does your help come from? Many people are looking to the government. And I'm thankful for whatever help the government gives us, and, and, and they, they serve a role, certainly. And we should pray for government and those in authority. Absolutely. You pray. Don't bellyache and put up posts on Facebook and not pray. 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 Some people look to, look to the banks, look to the economy, look to maybe you know, money, to, to family, look to friends. And I'm so thankful for covenant relationships. I'm so thankful for friends. I'm so thank, thankful for a great church family. And um, we, we have one of our church family that their sister at 39 years old passed and and uh, I won't mention who that is, but when I found out, I, I called. And when they answered the phone this afternoon, they were broken. And when I heard the brokenness in their voice, I broke and we wept together and we prayed, God, we don't understand, but work it for good. I honestly don't know how you live life without a church family. I, I, don't, I don't know how to do it. Been doing this a while. Long before I was a pastor of this church, I had a church family. If you don't have a church family, you need one. And if you don't have a church, this is a great one. It is because of the amazing people that love so deeply here. We've heard it over and over and over again. The love of God. You can feel the love of God, the tangible love of God here. It's not uncommon for people to come together to help someone who's gone through chemotherapy to pay all their bills. Not uncommon for people to gather and pray and, and be at the hospital. and I mean, it's just, it's, I commend you for your love. You will know them because of their love for one another. I commend you for your love for one another. But in the end, God truly is the only one that can really give us the kind of help that we need. Where does your help come from? This text, as we, as we look at it, we see the Lord is our helper. We see the one that he, the one, he is the one that really provides help. So let's, let's look at this text. I'll give you some background and to understand it more fully, we just read a few verses, but the writer of the book of Hebrews, and we, the reason we say that is we're not sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Have you ever heard that before? The writer of the book of Hebrews. Because we don't know who wrote that. We know who wrote the book of Colossians. Paul wrote the, the, the letter, the book, the epistle. Epistle is a Greek word for letter. We call it a book because it's in, in the Bible, and it's, it's also called a book, the, Los, uh, the Lawsons. I don't think that's a, that's like turn to Second Hezekiah. <laughs> turn to Thalossons, my God. 
Thessalonians, first and second Thess. Paul wrote that to the church in Thessalonica, right? Colossians is written to the the church in Colossae. Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus. But we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but it is profound. Some say Apollo, some say Paul, but it is profound with revelation. We as believers, write in your notes, are living in a new covenant. We're living in a new covenant. This is a new covenant. Hebrews 8 and 6 reads, but in fact, the ministry of Jesus has received is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises, talking about this new covenant, it's better than the old covenant. The new covenant. And he's the fulfillment of what the, the Hebrew prophets prophesied. Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the Messiah. He's Mashiach, Emmanuel, God with us, the Christ. Jesus is our high priest. And I, I want you to go to Hebrews 2, if you would. I'm just going to give you a little background before we get into this incredible passage. Jesus is our high priest. He's our what? He's our high priest. Hebrews 2. Verse 17, for this reason he made them like fully human. Pardon me. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And then he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Hebrews 3 says he's greater than Moses talking about Jesus. Hebrews 5, he is God's son with a priesthood greater than the priesthood of Aaron and his sons. He's our high priest. Come on, someone say Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is our high priest. It says he's gone through the heavens. We read that. He's gone through the heavens. But what does that mean, Pastor? I've taught this and preached it before. So again, as a reminder for those that perhaps haven't heard it just yet. The tabernacle in the wilderness, the pattern given to Moses, tabernacle means house, if you will, or dwelling. The tabernacle given to, by revelation to Moses on the mountain was a movable tabernacle. It could be folded up and moved. Whenever the cloud moved, it moved with it. Whenever the, the, the column of fire moved, it moved. The problem today is the column of fire moves and churches don't move. You've got, you got to be led by God. It's a picture that you don't want to set down stakes to, you know, and, and, and never be moved by him. You've you got to be led by the cloud and led by the pillar of fire. Fire by night, cloud by day. It's one of the keys to staying in the presence of God. He, he's constantly moving you, constantly moving forward. And so the tabernacle had a, an outer courts. It had inner courts. It had a holy place. It had a, the holy of holies. There were compartments, if you will, rooms. And the temple is made in the, same, in the same way with rooms. And in the innermost place was the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark, depending upon when uh, different time periods, you would see different things in the Ark. But it was a picture of the manifest presence of God. Now understand it was a model. A what? A model. It was a copy. It was a replica, if you will, 
very exact dimensions, a replica of the real tabernacle, which is in heaven. So when it says that he passed through the heavens, it's a high priest that would go, as I said, the 27th this next week is the Day of Atonement. A high priest once a day, once a year, pardon me, would go in and sprinkle blood in the very prescribed way to atone for the, his sins and the sins of the people. That's a type and shadow of the real high priest, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, who would come and take your sin and mine and take his blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, not of the replica in the earth, but the one in the heavens, in heaven itself, the third heaven, where the throne is. The first heaven is what you can see right here, beautiful flowers, you know, clouds, rain. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is the place of warfare. Ephesians talks about that, Ephesians 6. Angels, demons, where the war is. The third heaven, there's no war there. That's the throne. Righteousness and truth are the foundations of it. Innumerable worshiping God. The great cloud of witnesses. The council. The council of heaven is there. That's the heavens that Jesus passed through. That one. Not the earthly one. Jesus is the Son of God. Come on, say that. Jesus is the Son of God. He's fully man who can sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows how you feel. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to, to, to be despised. He knows what it is to be betrayed. Does anybody else know what that's like? Jesus knows what that's like. He was at all points tempted and yet was without sin. Fully God, fully man. He entered time and space, which, I mean, honestly... As beautiful as Alaska is in different parts of the world, by comparison to heaven, it is like a cesspool. His paving company is gold, Pastor. Gold. That's what he paved his streets with. He paid. Why did he do that? Because we're impressed by it. Gold. One pearl actually depends on how you look at it, but in the book of Revelation, it could be seen that one giant pearl is the gate. I wonder if it's like cut in the middle or did the whole pearl open or one giant pearl. Fully God, fully man, sympathizes with our weaknesses. He's all-powerful. Come on, Jesus is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Say it. God is all-powerful. The text goes on to say in verse 16, are you all there? Verse 16 of Hebrews 4, let us therefore come boldly, or let us draw near, or let us approach. We're invited to draw near to God. That one word, that one word, draw near, that one word approach, has incredible theological significance that most people never capture it. They don't really see it. Not like, uh, it's just approach the throne. What are you doing? I'm approaching the throne. But the writer of the book of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as it moved along, was saying something very clearly that many people miss. You see, in the Old Testament, you couldn't just come walking willy-nilly on into the Holy of Holies. You couldn't just skip to the loo on in and just, hey, Lord, what's up? How's it going, Dad? And it'd be like a cinder pile of flaming, you know, innards. An instant smoking gut pile 
for all of the hunters. That's a vivid picture. You can't just boldly come in in the Old Testament. That's not how that worked. And, and you can go and read it. There were people that were killed for doing it. And yet the writer of the book of Hebrews says to, to draw near. In fact, that, that word approach, draw near, is seven times. It's written seven times in the book of Hebrews. Seven times. It's, it's a significant word. And uh, for those of you that, that know it, the Septuagint. How, how many of you know what the Septuagint is? The Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. So the Septuagint uses the same word here about the high priest coming or appearing, coming before the Lord in the Holy of Holies, approaching the throne. It's the same word here. Wow. The word in the Old Testament is used in connection with the high priest, who alone could approach God in the act of worship at the tabernacle of the temple. In the 1500s, there was a man by the name of Martin Luther. Martin Luther, Martin Luther was a scholar, and he was studying the book of Romans. And the Catholic Church was basically building St. Peter's Basilica and needed a lot of, lot of dough. They needed a lot of money. So they were accustomed to coming up with their own ideas outside of Scripture. And in actual fact, they came up with this abomination of the idea of indulgences to get you out of this intermediary place. Does anybody know what it's called? Purgatory. There is no purgatory. And yet, and I'm not going to get all down on the Catholic Church, but, but, I mean, you can't worship Mary. You can only worship God. And there's a lot of things that are jacked up in the Catholic Church, and the truth is, is that different Catholic churches in different places are different. Some said, no, I'm, they're not even part of the body of Christ because of the worship of Mary. And, and, uh, and we, we owe the Catholic Church, actually, St. Jerome. Anybody know who St. Jerome is? If it wasn't for old Jerome, you wouldn't have what you have in your hand right now. We went to Israel and, uh, and saw places. Is it Israel? Maybe it was Turkey. I don't know where that is. Where was St. Jerome anyway? You can go study and be a good Berean, like I said this morning. He would have his foot on a skull, and he would translate and write the Bible out. And, and if we didn't have that, I mean, in a cave for 50 years, that's what he did. You know what you hold in your hand is the most accurate book, historical book that there is. Now, I'm not feeling the love, so I'm going to punch that in the throat one more time. It's the most accurate history book there is. We, we, we take for just, you know, absolute fact about the Gallic Wars. We don't even have a book that's close to, nearly close to what this is. We have actual manuscripts that are as, as close as to 7,500 years away from when the actual event happened. And, and we know that that's a long time, but understand these, this book is so holy that they knew that if they were to change one jot, one tittle, if they were to mess it up, man, they would be in some big trouble. God's Word. Amazing. And Martin Luther understood the significance of what he called the priesthood of all believers. And so when the Catholic Church came along and said, we're going to get everybody get-out-of-jail-free cards, or it's really get-out-of-purgatory-free, 
And so they would sell these indulgences. I actually have a Bible in my office upstairs, which I'm vacating, to make room for more storage. Can't wait to move into our new building. It's going to be awesome. And I have this Bible. It's 1952. Uh, maybe it's 1951. I need to go look. It's the Douay version. Anybody ever heard of the Douay version? It's the very first version that the Catholic Church released into the hands of the people. And in actual fact, in earlier years, when they began to put, first put Bibles out, they chained them to the, to the pew. You see, because if you really come to understand, and this was the problem with Luther, you really come to understand what God's word is, and you realize actually you don't need a priest. Because you are one. And so that's not good for raising money for St. Peter's Basilica. It's a big problem if you have to have a priest that would then forgive your sins on behalf of God. And that is the whole, that's the doctrine that the Catholic Church taught. And so they had this thing called indulgences that if you would come and, and you'd pay a certain amount of money, then you could get your mama out of, right. How about your grandfather? Do you think your grandfather's in, in heaven or hell? Oh, he's, he sure ain't in heaven, you know. Well, you just pay $100 tonight. We could take a couple years off to purgatories. Oh, absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't want to get, when, when somebody with, with God-like authority would tell you that, people would be like, oh, auction off everything. Let's get my family out of purgatory. So Martin Luther in the 1500s, studying the book of Romans, realized justification by faith and faith alone. Justification. Everybody say, justification. Just as if I never sinned. That's a good way to think about it. That your sin's been totally paid for so much so that you now don't have any when you repent. You missed a great place to say, woo. Say, oh me or oh my. Justification. By faith, by confident assurance on the finished work of Jesus, not by money, not by indulgence, not by any priest, but by the high priest alone. And so he wrote, how many of you know, he wrote the 95 thesis, 95 reasons that the Catholic Church should not sell indulgences, and he nailed that 95 thesis on the church at Wormberg and started basically a revolution. And it's called... The Reformation. It's not called a revolution, but it really was a type of revolution. It just so happens that Gutenberg's printing press had just been invented. And they started cranking out copies of that thing, and they got it all over the place. And not only that, he then spent painstaking time to translate the Bible into German. And you can read reports about people. I mean, I know you have one on the back of your toilet seat, right? You're in a toilet tank right now. Some of you. I mean, I don't know how many of these I have. Honestly, I don't. 20? Maybe more? And I think I have like 26 versions on my phone. If you have a New World Translation version, that would be okay to burn that one. There are some bad translations. All right. And there are some that put their words at the same level as God's word, and that should never be. This that you have in your hand that I'm holding in my hand right now 
is the number one selling book ever since they made books on Gutenberg's printing press. Oh, the New York Times doesn't talk about it, but it's, they don't talk about much. It's the number one seller. The number one, honestly, I haven't read the New York Times, so I was just mouthing off there for a second. So if you're a big lover of the New York Times, God bless you and your family. But I'm just saying, this isn't on the list. Why don't they put this on the list? Why don't they say, number one, top, you know, top ten sellers? They don't do it because, I don't know why, but it actually is still the number one book of selling of all time. Why? Because it's God's word. And so when, when Martin Luther did the 95 Thesis and he started what's called the Reformation, he wrote another pamphlet called The Priesthood of All Believers. And they, and they cranked that thing off on Gutenberg's printing press and sent that all over the place. And people began to get awakened to the reality that they don't need a priest anymore because Jesus is their high priest and they can come boldly. They can approach the throne of grace without a priest. A throne of, not a throne of judgment, but a throne of grace right in your notes. They would approach God's throne instead of judgment. They realized that there was grace, unmerited favor. I mean, that's a revelatory thought. Everyone's a priest who's received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. As I was preparing this and going over these thoughts this afternoon, I believe there's coming another reformation. I believe there's coming another awakening. I believe that people are beginning to realize that it's going to be thundered from pulpits across the land on the internet and from believers alike all across that you can be saved, you can be forgiven, you can be redeemed, you can be healed, you can be set free. You can boldly come before the throne of God's grace and find help in time of need. He is my help. But amazing thing is, you know, if you don't come before him, then you're not going to have a helper. Help. I need somebody help, not just anybody. Okay, so Beatles. We all need help. I believe there's coming another reformation. Instead of a throne of judgment, we can come to a throne of grace. God is clearly speaking to us tonight. I'm trying to wipe away the fog of misunderstandings. That you would be awakened to the reality that you, by the blood of Jesus, yourself, without Brother Toby singing the glory songs, without Minister Micah and our amazing team who worked so hard to lead us into worship, that you yourself can come boldly. You could approach the throne, not once a year, but every day you can come before him and find grace, receive power, receive healing, have encounters with God. Most people don't know what they have. Most people are clueless to that reality. Years ago, 1995, I got touched by the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost. I've never been the same since. And, and the power of the Spirit, I mean, don't judge, but I'm just saying as a childlike faith, me and a number of other brothers that were in a mandatory discipleship program. (laughs) 
Some of you need to be in one yourself. Say, well, I don't have anybody to mandate. I'll mandate you right now. Get in the Discover track. Get in the Foundations class. Get plugged in and start serving God. Come on, somebody say amen. Or you can stay busted, disgusted, and toe up from the flow up all your life, but it's up to you. I'm trying to tell you that you can be free, you can be healed, that you can be a priest, a high priest. He is for us, Jesus. And you can, be a, you can talk to God yourself because of the blood. That's why we don't call ourselves priests. I'm a pastor. I'm a priest of my household. I'm a priest in my own life, but you need to be a priest in yours. But everybody needs a pastor, I'll say that. But I don't go to God because and, and then forgive you on behalf of God. You're forgiven on behalf of God because of Jesus. Because of who? Gee, say it with an attitude, shake your head a little bit. Because of Jesus. Nineteen ninety five, I got touched by the fire and the power of God. And this became real to me. It became real to me that deity inside of humanity. It's, it's, it's a New Testament revelation that Jesus lives on the inside of you. Uh, Friday night, I got myself in a fair amount of trouble, so we deleted the entire service, but we've edited it, and then we'll put it back up. And you need to go listen to that. We had them strike it from all platforms. We're going to cut out some of the parts and then put it back up. And by the way, if I ever say anything that's unbiblical, that's not what I meant. Okay? So you just remember that. Isn't that right, Pastor Kirsten? Amen. So 95, 95, I got touched by God, and, I, and my heart was awakened to the move and the power of the Holy Spirit and the fact that I could just come right into his presence right now. Right now. I didn't need music. I didn't need anything. All I needed to do is just... Do you have to lift your hands? No, you don't, but I like to. So you could just. Do you have to move like that? No, you don't have to move like that. You just have to approach the throne of grace by faith and understand that your sins are forgiven, that you've been redeemed, that you've been washed, that you've been, you're a new creature. You're a new creation in Christ. You don't have to wait for, you know, three songs and an offertory and go to church, and by all means, we're going to do that too. But you can boldly come before him. That's what Luther was talking about. And it caused quite a ruckus. Oh, they tried to kill him. They sure did. In 1995, honestly, we would would go back, a bunch of friends in my mandated discipleship program. And we would just, in our rooms... I'd sit on my bed. I was my own usher. I'd sit on my bed. See, some some of you have not had an encounter with God like that because you tried to fast and you ate a salad. So you're condemned. How many of you know if you're trying to fast and you ate a salad, you're not condemned by that? (laughs) But the enemy works double time. Well, you don't have enough school. Well, look at your background. Look at your mom. Look at your dad. Look at the family you come from. Well, well, you know, you're not educated. Well, you just, you just got saved last week. So, I mean, really, I mean, 
No, everyone can come into the presence of any believer, anybody who receives Jesus, death and resurrection, his blood covers your sin, and you're made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So being made right, listen, it's not a righteousness that grows. That's an imputed righteousness. It's God's righteousness the second you receive it. Now, imparted righteousness is actually uh, ties in with uh, sanctification in that Imparted righteousness, I'm made righteous because of the blood. Then that lived out in my life is righteous acts living right before him based upon the love of God, how he loves me and my position in him and understanding what his word says and how I'm to act and how I'm to behave. But my righteous acts don't earn me anything closer to the love of God. You know what gives you full blast, gives you the love of God? The death of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, his blood, gives you access so you can boldly come. So you can come before the throne and find help in time of need. Some of you don't have the help that you need because you're not coming to the throne. Because you ate a salad and then the devil beats up on you. Oh, you know how you ate a salad. Oh, you were mean to your brother. You can't pray now. And listen, if you're convicted when you when you come to come before the Lord, and then your conscience bothers you, talks about confidence. We'll talk about that here in a moment. You're convicted. Repent, Lord, forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. Yeah, that's the way that is. Some of you, like, beat yourself up through your own self-abasement. You think, actually, you now have rights to come before the throne. It doesn't matter how ugly and how nasty you think of yourself. That doesn't make you any better before God. What makes you better before God? Oh, the blood of Jesus. Hey, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes. Oh, sing it again. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood of. Oh, the blood, the blood, the blood. Oh. He washes. White as snow, it washes white as snow. He washes. He washes white as snow. He I receive my sight, 
now, and now I am Give God a shout of praise in the house tonight. Can you give him a can you give him a greater shout? He's redeemed you. He's washed you. He's cleansed you. He's all. Oh, he's our high priest. You've been, you're the righteous. Ah! Hey, come on. <laughs> Come on, shout to God one more time because you want to. Someone said to me, I wanted to come here because I heard it was a cinematic church. I thought, okay. They said, because we're tired of the old kind of ones. We, we wanted to be in one of those really, I, I think it might have meant charismatic. And they said to me, man, this morning was amazing. I said, it was pretty tame, actually. Come Sunday night. <laughs> come Wednesday night. Oh, come on. God is good. So I would, I would sit there on my bed with my brothers in Christ. We'd all been touched by the Lord so profoundly in that discipleship program. We had to be carried out of meetings. So in other words, it was time to go. The van was leaving. And there were certain people that couldn't walk. They couldn't talk. And we would carry them out and, uh, and, and, and stuff them in beds. You know, put them in their bed and they'd Wake up and transform. I saw so many people transformed. And so after about a week of that, a little less than a week, I started realizing what I'm teaching you right now. I started realizing that I don't even need to be in church. I am the church. I started realizing I don't need a priest. I am one, and Jesus made a way for me. I started realizing I've been washed, and I've been cleansed, and I don't have to. I can have confidence to approach the throne. I can have confidence to boldly come. So we would sit on our beds and just be like, well, let's just get touched by God. And they'd be like, okay, all right. And so I'd be like, whoa. And the Lord would start touching me. And, and I'd find myself on my bed having visions and dreams. See, some of you don't access what's, you have help. He's come to help you, but you don't access the help that's available for you. Too distracted by your smartphone that ain't all that smart. Too distracted by all the distractions of the world. Sex, money, lust, greed. Too distracted. Oh, but if you would take the great invitation. James, draw near unto God. He'll draw near unto you. How can you draw near because of the blood? Are you getting something here? We have a helper who wants to help back in your notes. I know some of you thought I was never going to get back there, but I am. You must come to the Lord in prayer. This approach is just this amazing word. we got to pray with confidence. Pray with confidence. Say it. Pray with Well, how do you get confidence? This is good right here. Here we go. Three different meanings. Hebrews 10.35, so don't throw away your 
confidence it'll be richly rewarded. That's Hebrews 10, 35. Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house. Everybody say that I'm his house. We are his house. I talked about that Friday. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence. Confidence. Everybody say confidence. Confidence is faith. Faith and confidence, they go together. I'm going to give you three definitions of what, what is confidence, what brings confidence, what real biblical confidence is. Because I've seen, I've seen people confident and they shouldn't have been. Adab and Abinahu were confident till they got struck dead. Some people are as bold as a lion, as stupid as a box of rocks. He said, I'll charge Harold with a water pistol. You want to end up in hell, son. You ought to get your life right. Faith. Turn to uh, 1 John, 1 John 3. It's holding on to your faith. Let us hold to the faith. That's Hebrews 3 and 14. We're literally to come to God. He has the power to change our circumstances. And faith is a confident assurance that he can do it. So when you come before him, you're saying, I've got faith. I believe that you can change my circumstances. I believe you can heal my body. I believe that you can do, I believe you're God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, right? Look at, look at 1 John. It's the second, second way here. 1 John 3, 21. These are, this is very important because I've had people ask me, hey, I, uh, I, I want you to pray for me. I, I, I need confidence before God. So I'll bring him to this scripture. Beloved, verse 21, 1 John 3, 21. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Watch this, verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Wow. See, a lot of people want all of the word of God to come to pass for them, but they don't keep his commandments and they're not pleasing in his sight. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Lord Jesus, his son, and love one another as he has given this commandment. Let me ask you this. If what, is what you're doing pleasing God? Because if what you're doing is not pleasing God, then your prayer is going to be powerless. You won't have confidence. That's, I'm, I'm preaching better than your amen. Obeying his commands and doing what pleases him. Right in the notes. Confidence is obeying his commands and doing what pleases him. It's not a sloppy agape. If there's things that you're doing that are not right with God and his word, then get right and repent and have confidence restored. I was preaching on Friday night, and uh, I, 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 made a, I made a wisecrack, and I, I got so rebuked. And I, I got rebuked by the Lord when I did it, and I repented. And, uh, and, and then afterwards, the Lord talked to me about it. He said, son, you're not allowed to do that. And you just got a little, a little relaxed for a second. And you need to just keep your opinions to yourself. Don't do that anymore. And then he reminded me. And we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I, I repented, and I'm, I'm good. I'm clean now, but I'm not doing that anymore. 
oh, I'll preach against abortion. Oh, I'll preach against same-sex marriage. Oh, I'll preach against everything that's in the Word that, that's not happening. And I will encourage you to vote, and I'll encourage you to take steps of action. I will encourage you to do what pleases God. Because in pleasing God, you have confidence. This is not some little thing that we come together, look what the Lord has done, and then just go home like everything's great. The, what the Lord has done is he shed his blood for you to be washed, to be cleansed, and then you need to walk in truth. If you want to see power, listen, if you don't have power in your prayer life, it might be that you're not pleasing God. If you don't have the help that he offers, it might be that you're not walking in obedience to God and his word. He said, well, how do I know what that is? Listen, plug into all the things we're doing. We're not doing them just because we need something to do. We're making disciples here. Obeying his commands and doing what pleases God. The third thing, go to 1 John 5. Worship team, please. First John 5, verse 14, now this is the confidence, the what? The confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Whatever we ask. He hears what you ask. I said he hears what you ask. Some of you, you know, you prayed, and I've used this before, it's humorous, but it illustrates something that's so true for so many. In high school, you're like, Lord, I have got to marry that girl. Oh, God. Oh, God. I have to marry her. Well, it didn't happen. Years go by. 20 years later, you return to the high school reunion. And there you are. And you see her or him. God, I have to marry him. Doesn't happen. You go back 20 years later, you see her or him. And as soon as you see him, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> as soon as you see her, you're like, oh, shut up, up. And you bust out and sometimes I thank God. For unanswered prayer, just talking to the man upstairs, just because he don't answer, don't mean he don't care. Sometimes I thank God. <laughs> Come on, somebody! Is there? A Listen, God can say no. Somebody said, God doesn't answer prayer sometimes. No, yes, he does. He always answers prayer. Yes, no, wait. Those are the three answers. That's right. But you just don't want to hear no. Turn to Isaiah 41. Sometimes I thank God. It's not a biblical song. Just enjoy it as an isolated whole. I mean, no harm to all the country music listeners here in the place. Oh. Some of you have been limited to the help 
This is a word from the Lord. The Lord says, some of you have limited my help in your life because you've not approached me. I am not a man that I should lie, says the Lord. My word is true. My word is sure. I've made provision for you by the blood. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. If you'll receive that, not in vain. And come, approach the throne of grace. Approach my throne of grace. Approach my throne of grace. And receive Receive help in time of need. All the world is looking for deliverance. They're looking for freedom. They're looking for hope. That's, that's what we are. I'm a hope pusher. I'm trying to awaken you. I don't care if you got born again this morning. Same word is true. It's the blood that cleanses you. And you can approach the throne. You can draw near. My, my, my. Isaiah 41. We started with this. Fear not. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. You'll seek them, but you won't find them. Those who contend with you, those who war against you shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I am the Lord your God. Hold your right hand and say to you, fear not. I will help you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.